Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about nitrogen stabilizers. Yes, fall nitrogen is already a topic, and I get it. In a lot of areas, it's still a little ways off, still not going to be putting on quite yet, but we're going to talk about everything you need to know around stabilizing nitrogen. If you're going to do some fall nitrogen apps or some early spring apps, where where are the gains at and, and where are the economics at in this practice? We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions, and this is absolutely one of those times uh you know you just think about okay boy right in the middle of the growing season that's when we've got all the questions nope uh there's a lot of questions that get generated at harvest time of why did this happen and oh man i didn't realize i had this issue out here how can i get past that next year uh, as you're combining as you're you're out in the fields pulling soil samples doing whatever you're doing in the fields uh, if you get a question, give us a call. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. And even if it's at midnight that you figure something out or a thought comes to your mind, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Hey, number one thing that I wanted to say to start the show, in terms of nitrogen stabilizers, these products are not silver bullets. They're not going to last forever. They're not going to solve all your nitrogen loss problems. They're a great tool, but just kind of keep in mind, you got to do everything else that that makes some sense if you're going to have the best nitrogen program possible. Because here, here's the way I look at this nitrogen deal now. A lot of people are like, well, I got to cut back. But I go, wait a second. Um, if you cut back too much, or if you cut back maybe at all, you're going to cost yourself yield. And commodity prices are great. I don't want to lose bushels. But on the flip side, I understand, hey, nitrogen's really expensive, and you don't want to spend money you don't need to spend. And then we got the other factor here with nitrogen, unlike most nutrients, we've really got this environmental deal going on. So people worry about the nitrogen going in the air and, and the whole carbon deal. We've got worry about nitrogen going down in the soil and nitrates ending up in groundwater causing contamination. So nitrogen management is really important for a lot of reasons. And that's where I would just say when we start talking fall nitrogen, for spring crops, be really careful. Uh, above all else, put the nitrogen on as late as you can. If you're not just a couple, three, four weeks from freeze up, it's too early to put fall nitrogen on for a spring crop. Now, granted, you, you certainly can put a little bit on if you want to, let's say, break down some residue, or let's say you have a cover crop growing out there. Well, that's going to use up a whole bunch of nitrogen, maybe all the nitrogen you put out this fall. So yes, there are extenuating circumstances here, but I'm just saying be really careful with what you do with fall nitrogen. But yeah, we'll talk about nitrogen stabilizers throughout the show. Right now, however, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brandon, we'll start with the soil sample results here. And this one came in from Brandon. And uh, Brandon said, all right, guys, uh, here's here's a soil sample that we pulled. Uh and you see the wrecks at the bottom that we got back from the lab. Just kind of curious if we're shooting for 200 bushel corn, for example. Uh, what would you do differently? Do you think the wrecks here are pretty close? Or do you see some things here that, that we should also be adding? Well, I think the recommendations are based on removal and not balancing things in the soil. So just as an example, when we start talking about base saturation potassium, well, sure, if you want to put 160 pounds on for your corn or 115 pounds on for your soybeans, I mean, that's that's okay. 
But you need more than that if you're going to get your base saturation potassium level up to 4% and feed the crop. With all the magnesium that you have in your soil, the problem is the potassium you have in your soil right now is not getting in very well. Plus, you don't have a lot of pounds there to begin with anyway. So this is 131 parts per million of K is all and 2.1% base saturation K. So I'll promise you right now, if that's all the potash that you put on for those crops, potassium will be a yield limiting factor for you. Guaranteed. I, I mean, provided you get like normal rainfall. So I'm not saying, oh, you can have zero rain and still raise this amazing crop or anything like that. So just understand. Uh, the other thing would be taking a look at your phosphorus and zinc ratio, your phosphorus and copper ratio. So I don't even see a copper test on here. With zinc, uh, based on your, it looks like, let's see, I. I, mean, I was trying to see if this was DTPA extraction yes. or not. DTPN, the I thought micros. it was. Yep, uh, right on the micros down at the bottom I thought row. I saw it somewhere. Yeah, okay, anyway. You can see it. Okay, but yeah, I mean, right now, your phosphorus is at, at phosphorus to zinc is around a 10 to 1 ratio. So that's great. And I'm not saying there's any problem with that, but what I am saying is I just, I want to be careful with what we do moving forward so you don't overload the phosphorus or overload the zinc or something like that. But I don't have a real big problem with that. And then the, the last thing is this is medium textured soil. So 15 CEC. So sulfur is going to be somewhat leachable. And I would just say we're down to 16 parts per million on sulfur. So if it's me, I'm probably going to want to bump that sum in any crop and I, the recommendation here was eight pounds of sulfur for corn, and that may be enough. But I mean, we're 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 running up against the bare minimums here. So I, I just say maybe this is going to be all right. But if this is the only test I can go by, I, I I'd say we're we're probably barely there. But 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 that's it. We're just we're just scraping by. And if nothing else, I try at least some areas, some strips, something like that, where I'm putting on a little bit more fertility to start building some of these things up. You know, the other thing is just when you look at one soil sample, I don't know, to make a recommendation for a whole field, that's really tough. So we would strongly encourage you. Maybe you did. Maybe you got a bunch of samples out there. But And you just said, I'll give these guys, uh, I'll show these guys some mercy. And rather than sending them 8,000 uh, soil tests, <laughs> I'll just give them one. So, yeah, if that's true, hey, that's great. Let's, let's, okay, so let's just take that example. Say this was a 100-acre field and you had 100 one-acre grid samples. You can send all 100. What we'd like to see, what really helps us the most is the summary page. Because on that summary Showing page, the high, the low, yeah. and the average. Yeah, yep. that that really helps. Uh, you know, then we can say, "Ooh, where you're seeing this low, we got a problem. Or where you're seeing this high, we got a problem." Things like that. Listening to Ag PhD Radio and today's topic, nitrogen stabilizers. Our phone lines will be open at eight four four forty four Ag PhD for your questions. Stay tuned. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide. 
the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and our topic is nitrogen stabilizers. Now, you may say, hold on, Darren, I'm still combining soybeans. I haven't even thought about fall fertility yet. Then we're hitting it at the exact right time. It does take a little bit of time to, to get everything lined up and, and to make all those preparations. If you say, wait a second, I'm all done with harvest, I'm already ready to roll here, then uh, we're also at the right time for you because there's still time to make that decision. And when you think about how high-priced fertilizer is this year, that makes it really important. But I also think about all the regulations that are proposed or being considered in different areas around the country and... Uh, that makes me nervous for nitrogen. I don't want to be limited. We need this super important nutrient for our crops. And whenever we run short, you know what it does to yield. It kills us on yield. So we want to be able to use however much we need. Now, for, for our non-farm listeners, I would just encourage you this way. Nitrogen's very expensive. Believe me, we don't want to put any more on than we need because it's a problem. The other thing is, just agronomically speaking, we overdo nitrogen and we end up with a lot more lodging out in our fields, meaning the corn plants grow, like I'll just use corn as an example. It gets big, it gets tall, and it falls over. The same thing happens on small grains. We see a lot of issues like that on small grains too. So we, we want to dial this in just right, and nitrogen stabilizers are a good way for farmers to, to manage, as, as we'll discuss on today's program. All right, let's start off a little bit south of us. Got Mike Wingrove on right now. He's an agronomist, uh, works with the Extreme Agus. Unfortunately for Mike, he's got to work with Kelly Garrett, which is not the easiest thing in the world. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you. All right, so I mentioned you work with Kelly, and uh, I think we've given Kelly a hard time because he's popped some really big yields out there, so I know he's got to use a pretty good dose of nitrogen. Uh, when you look at nitrogen stabilizers, do you think they're super important every time that we're putting on N in the fall and in the spring, or or do you say, you know, we got to pick and choose? I, I believe in the fall that we need we should be putting it in with all our nitrogen applications. 
Um, and then the spring is kind of hit and miss, I would say. Um, but like I said, the fall for sure, I, I, I believe guys should have it in to protect. Like you said, it's the high, the high, high dollar amount of, that it costs to, to have the nitrogen. We want to protect that, that input. You know, when you think about volatility, and I, I know a lot of guys that are reducing tillage and they're planning on laying nitrogen on the top, that one really concerns me. And I know for the conventional till guys, a lot of them say, well, I'm not too worried about it. I'm going to spread it out there. I'm going to till it in. I'm going to be in good shape. Uh, that reduced till, that makes a big difference. Do you see guys adjusting as, as they make those tillage choices? Yeah, we, we do see um, some adjustments in that. Um, with, with, when they till it in, we still, we still need the moisture to get the nitrogen into the soil. And like last spring, it was hit and mess for moisture. I think kind of very widespread and especially in our area. So protecting that nitrogen with our stabilizer was paid off. I, I believe. You know, I, I look at, um, well, gosh, uh, a long ways through the center of the United States. There's there's some massive drought. Uh, are, are you already starting to hear some of these fall soil test results come back? I know for us last fall, we had a lot of nitrogen left out there when we had a, a short crop due to drought. Yeah, what we've been seeing, what we've sampled so far this year, um, there, there is some leftover nitrogen, and I think some of that's coming into our soil balance, you know, that carbon to nit- nitrogen ratio. So with that, I mean, we, we may be over applying if we, we might be able to get by with applying a little less nitrogen and using a stabilizer and saving some money that way. We get questions too about this one, Mike, um, Manure, compost, uh, I know Kelly uses a, a feed byproduct. Um, there, there are just a lot of different alternative sources of, of fertility out there that do have either a lot of nitrogen or some nitrogen in them. What do you see with things like that? I know with compost and, and uh, even this feed byproduct, some, some of these products uh, may already have that nitrogen complexed to some degree uh do you see farmers using any kind of stabilizers with the alternative sources of n um in our area we don't see a whole lot of people use um, a stabilizer with that um mostly um just with their anhydrous since i would say 90 percent of our area is heavy anhydrous okay gotcha gotcha you know, when we, we think about fall nitrogen, I think about volatility a lot, but also denitrification and leaching can, can come into play. Uh, you got some varying terrain where you're at. Uh, what are some of the challenges with that in terms of, of fall in and, and any uh, kind of situations where you say, okay, if you're, if you're in this uh, class of soil or type of field, we might do things different? Um, yeah, with the, the hills we have and the tougher terrain, um, some guys, they might, they'll, they'll kick their feet around and try to decide if they want to put it in. And depending on, you know, like I mentioned, moisture, they, they might say, oh, it's, it's going to be dry. Um, we're getting it applied late enough. We're going to get that freeze, that frost, and it'll get us into next spring. But I, I, I believe, like I said earlier, we need to stabilize it and make sure we, 
protect it and have it there. Speak about stabilizers a little bit. We hear a lot about uh, humic acid, about different sulfur solutions, uh, and of course, there's there's some really good commercial products too that can be used for for stabilizers. Do you have a favorite, or are there some of these classes you say work better than others in your experience? Um, I, I would say in our area, most people are going with like the Inserve from Corteva. Um, just with the high retail pressure around here, that's kind of where they've they've been and what they've been using. Yeah, it's interesting that you you mentioned the fertility dealers in the area. A lot of times it comes down to that because because they can add stuff in as they're going, and usually your choices may be, well, what do you have on hand and and what's even possible there? So I, I get that one. Uh, Mike, any surprises you're seeing as harvest gets rolling through your area? Um, I would say we're seeing better crops um, that w- than we thought. Obviously, we have some dry, lower spots of the field, but we also have spots of the field that are, yielding really well and i think with the dry summer we've had it kind of kind of caught us off guard that the yields are as good as we have what a blessing yeah that's that is super nice it it certainly wasn't an easy growing season no doubt about that did did you have much corn that i know we had some pretty massive storms that had gone through did did anybody in your area have big trouble with that or or did you guys mostly avoid it yeah, we're talking to a couple guys today, this morning actually, and they were into into some corn that had some wind damage, and obviously that killed and had a little combining issues because it was down and goosenecked. And but for the most part, we've been fortunate this year with not having a whole lot of hail and wind, so um, everything's luckily been been standing pretty good. That is that is a blessing, no doubt about it. it. Makes harvest go a lot easier. We've been talking with Mike Wingrove here. He's an agronomist, uh, Western Iowa, across into Nebraska, I'd imagine as well. Works with the Extreme Ag guys and and uh, Kelly Garrett and the crew down there. So, Mike, thank you so much. I know you're super busy this time of year. Really appreciate the time and the advice. Thank you. Talking nitrogen stabilizers on our show today, and uh, Mike hit on several different points here too. Talking about fall anhydrous, I know that that's uh, really popular in some areas. I know for us, we used to do a lot of fall anhydrous too. Uh, something like Enserve has been out for a long, long time and and does a nice job in the anhydrous. But we'll talk about some of the different stabilizers you may consider if you say, well, hey, I'm going to be putting on urea or I'm using liquid in or or different forms of in what you can what you can do. And I, I did mention the manure compost, that kind of market as well. Uh, got, got some ideas for you there, too. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It changes everything. 
So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears. Self-adjusting deck plates save kernels. Longer knife rollers reduce trash. And aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, Updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today talking about nitrogen and especially nitrogen stabilizers on today's program with fall nitrogen applications and early spring nitrogen applications on a lot of mines and certainly the price of fertilizer on everybody's mind. We're going to talk about today how to make the most out of your fertilizer dollar, how to keep it where you want it, keep it available for your crop when it needs it. Real happy to have Trent Roberts on with us right now down at University of Arkansas to talk about this a little bit. Trent, thanks for joining us. Thanks. I appreciate being on the show today. I love talking to you guys. Okay, so we've been accused a little bit of, man, you guys are in the north, and you take the easy way out and say, our soil is going to be frozen for six months. Why don't you talk to some guys further south that don't live in the tundra? Well, Trent's not in the tundra, so uh, what do you find down in Arkansas with with nitrogen stabilizers, and, and especially with fall applications or really early applications? Are you seeing some difference? Well, so one thing to keep in mind is when you get into the Mid-South, we rely heavily on uh, urea as our primary nitrogen source. And when you talk about nitrogen stabilizers and urea, the big one is obviously urease inhibitors. 
Um, and specifically for us, we see huge benefits um, from the effective use of urease inhibitors just to protect that nitrogen until we can either get mechanical rainfall or irrigation uh, incorporation. So huge, huge benefit from those. When we switch over to like nitrification inhibitors, um, we see um, benefits, but it's a little bit more sporadic. And it really comes down to the time of year that they're being used and then the soil types that we're actually using them on. So we do see some benefits from those nitrification inhibitors, but it's uh, much more specific scenarios where we see those benefits. You know, one thing I was thinking about that we'd probably talk about is just some of the lighter soils. And, and I know you get some heavy soils that you get to work with too. On, on the lighter soils, is there a way for the guys that want to load up at the start of the season to, to hold stuff, or is there just only so far you can push it? Well, so one of the things you get into specifically in Arkansas, because we're not in the tundra, is, you know, we only do fall applications of nitrogen for our winter wheat crops. For all of our summer crops, we're doing spring applications. So they might be late winter, you know, preceding a corn crop. Um, but on those lighter textured soils, it really comes down to soil pH. And what I mean by that is some of our higher pH soils here, the nitrification rates are just so fast that we can't effectively apply enough product to really make a difference. But when you look at our more neutral or acidic type pH soils, that's where we can see benefits from these nitrification inhibitors. So it is, it is fairly soil specific, and a lot of times we can relate it to our soil pH. Very interesting, and I think we, we talk a lot about soil sampling and, and really understanding what you got in the field. That's one thing that we do see vary as we go across fields. Now, I would say if you've got a guy that's that's got a lot of low pH across the whole farm, that's uh, it's pretty safe to assume that there's probably quite a bit of that, but then uh, I don't know, on our farm we'll see a 5 pH and we'll see an 8, and they happen in the same field sometimes. So I would just encourage everybody, I love this advice from Trent Roberts here at University of Arkansas, that, that pH can make a big difference in how these things work. Do some more sampling. Take smaller zones, smaller grids to try and dial in if you've got some real low pHs that uh, are too low. And my here's my opinion, Trent, and you can tell me what you think. I think I, I like to shoot for a 6'2", six, 6'3", in my corn, soybean, wheat ground. I think that seems to be where I get good nutrient availability, where I, I maximize yields. But I, I know where we've got alfalfa, we like to get up a lot closer to seven. What do you like to see for that? When you say the acid soils, neutral to acid soils, uh, works a little bit better. Do you, do you have a preference where you'd like to see those pHs? Well, in, in our production systems, and I think kind of across the board, anytime you're between six to six and a half, you're, you're kind of in that sweet spot. Um, one of our concerns in the Mid-South is if we over lime, we can cause a lot of problems with our micronutrients, especially zinc. So we try to avoid liming um, as, long as, as long as we can. Um, we also kind of have the counter problem that a lot of our uh, groundwater is uh, pretty alkaline in nature. So that, that kind of keeps our soil pHs a little bit higher. But, you know, I think anytime you're below a soil pH of seven, those nitrification rates are going to be significantly slower 
than when they're above seven. And so we just see those nitrification inhibitors perform much better. Sure. Okay. Let me ask you a couple other kind of off the wall questions. I don't know if you guys have done research on this or not. What about humic acid? We, we hear a lot of uh, talk about humic acid being, being pretty good protection for nitrogen. And we see guys doing this oftentimes at planting time, but even in season, uh, if, if you done any work with humic acid and if so, what, what advice would you have to share with us there? Well, I can just talk about our specific, you know, research. We've, we've done a fair amount looking at, at humic acid and unfortunately in our production systems, we just don't see a response. Um, one thing that I think a lot of people need to consider is there's a significant amount of humic and fulvic acids that exist naturally in our soils. And so a lot of times the amount that, that might be added with one of these applications is, you know, less than a drop in a swimming pool as kind of an analogy. And, and so it just becomes difficult to tease out those potential benefits. The other one that, that we, we hear talk about is sulfur. And I know, um, Gosh, back a number of years ago, Southern Illinois had some data about sulfur and, and was making recommendations as to a sulfur to nitrogen blend and, and that they were maybe not seeing as much difference as they saw with the commercial um, nitrogen stabilizers, but they were certainly seeing something. Uh, what do you see with sulfur? Well, so sulfur is a nitrogen stabilizer? Yes. For Okay. Well, so, so what we see <laughs> I love is, that. I love that question though. I love the confirmation. Like, wait, what? But yeah, I, I think, I, it, oh, I, make, <laughs> I was trying to remember, I was trying to remember sure the researcher's the name that had that, but uh, it's something I know there's a lot of farmers we talk to that say, well, they're looking for uh, an eight to one blend or something like that. And they're mixing. And I think sulfur applications at the same time as nitrogen are smart. In most cases, we need both. Both are leachable. We can lose both. And so the timing, a lot of times, especially when guys are spoon feeding, works out pretty good. Are, are we fooling ourselves if we think adding some ammonium thiosulfate or something like that in there is going to help us keep that nitrogen around a little longer? Well, so I, I don't think there's a whole lot of truth to the idea that the nitrogen is extending the availability, or sorry, that the sulfur is extending the availability of, of the nitrogen. I think it does come back to kind of the form that you're applying. So one big misconception that we have in the Mid-South is, you know, if I add ammonium sulfate to urea, my ammonia volatilization loss potential drops proportionately. Well, it's because we get very little ammonia loss from ammonium sulfate. And so really, when you're blending that, you're just reducing the amount of urea in the blend, so you're reducing the ammonia loss potential. So it's, it's a true effect, but it's a misconception in the sense that the ammonium sulfate is not doing anything to prevent the reduction in uh, ammonia volatilization from the urea. But when you start to, to think about other, you know, potential sources, I think um, there's, there's not a whole lot of science to prove the sulfur is delaying, you know, the, the nitrification of, of the, the urea or the ammonium in the, sulfur, or in the nitrogen products. Uh, I'll 
Trent Roberts is always a great guest. Uh, for all our listeners, Trent's down at University of Arkansas. I love looking at the science on these things. Trent, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today, and thanks for sharing a little bit about what's going on with nitrogen. Yeah, thank you, and everybody stay safe during harvest, and let's get ready for hunting season. You bet, and you're always welcome up here in the tundra, Trent, if you want to come up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm... I'm always looking for cool weather, but usually about one day is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If we could just shut winter off a little sooner, it would be it would be fine with me too. We're talking nitrogen stabilizers on today's program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us.
talking about nitrogen stabilizers on today's program. And if you'd like to join the discussion or if you have any agronomic questions, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Well, we're happy to be joined right now by Mike Koenigs with Corteva to talk just a little bit about this nitrogen stabilizer market. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Darren. Happy to be here. Well, you got a free plug already today because uh, we had an agronomist on Western Iowa, Eastern Nebraska, and he's like, man, about the only one we talked down here is NSERV for anhydrous. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Don't steal any of Mike's thunder. But he didn't go into super detail, Mike, so you still you still got some room here to talk about it. You really are the only stabilizer for, for anhydrous. What, what's the big difference there? Because a lot of guys think, man, if I'm putting anhydrous on, I'm not as worried about losing it, and I am certainly going to be injecting that down in the soil. Uh, isn't that enough, or why do we need some more help? Yeah, so when we think about anhydrous, obviously we've got to get that injected into the soil. So the, the forms of nitrogen loss that we're thinking about that we want to protect anhydrous from is leaching and denitrification, which have proven to be some of our biggest nitrogen loss culprits. NSERV is going to protect us against both of those forms of nitrogen loss. It really does fit well with that anhydrous application. You know, when you think about that, uh, just just putting it together with the anhydrous, I know anhydrous is something we certainly don't want to mess around with, so I'm glad glad somebody else can, can put that all together. Uh, is it complicated? Are there any other reasons other than just not not being informed about it or, or maybe not wanting to spend the dollar on it, I guess, uh, the, the guys wouldn't do it because the handling has got to be pretty easy, isn't it? Yeah, we've we've really simplified the handling of this product. So that that's not an issue. I, I think with everything, we have to constantly remind producers of, hey, why are we doing that? Um, when we're talking about anhydrous, um, it's injected under the soil. They don't see it uh, by slowing down the nitrification process, right? By holding that anhydrous in the ammonium form for weeks longer. Um, we don't see that with our eye. So that's why we always have to remind the grower, hey, this is why you're spending the money on NSERV. It's because of these extra weeks of protection that you're going to get. It's because we're going to have less nitrogen losses, and there's going to be more N available for that corn plant later into the season. And today's genetics, the today's hybrids we're planting have proven to need more N later in the season, which is even more the reason to protect these applications, whether it be a fall application or a spring application. Yeah, you're right about that. The hybrids definitely respond to having that nitrogen availability a little bit later in the year. And and we're getting bigger yields, too, so our demand is is pretty high for nitrogen. All right, we talked a little about anhydrous. Anything else you want to say about anhydrous before we move on to some other end sources? Yeah, and I would say whether you are in getting ready to make a fall application or whether you're going to make a spring pre-plant application of anhydrous, consider NSERV. Even spring pre-plant applications are applied a couple months before the corn plant's rapid nitrogen uptake. So by holding that ammonia in that ammonium form longer, we can have less losses, benefits from spring applications as well. All right, let's shift gears to uh, to some other sources of N. How about manure, Mike? I know you get questions about a lot of different ways guys are trying to meet the fertility needs of their crop, but certainly this year when commercial fertilizer is high-priced and possibly 
uh, a little bit short in supply in some areas. I, I guess I'm more worried about the price than anything else. Manure looks like a great source of fertility, but again, here we are. We're putting out N way before our crop needs it. Uh, how about stabilizing that? Yeah, you're right. Manure has never been more popular. Uh, it certainly is. Um, so um, Corteva also has another product called Instinct Next Gen, and it uses the same technology that's in NSERV, so it's the Optinite technology. And what we can do is we can protect the ammonium portion of liquid manure. And if you think of liquid manure, you think of uh, hog manure, dairy manure, typically uh, about 70 to 80 percent of the nitrogen that's in that liquid manure is ammonium nitrogen. So we can protect that. And, and I know a lot of livestock growers, they're in a cycle where they've got to get that manure on here this fall, right? Those pits are getting full. As soon as the crop's off and as soon as temperatures are getting are trending down to a point, then they're going to start those applications. We can put instinct with liquid manure to, again, protect that ammonium and that's in there, hold that in that form longer, reduce our losses, get more bushels next year. Yeah, I think that's a big deal. And I, I know there's certainly some, a, a percentage of the nitrogen in manure that's that's uh, in an organic form that may not be available quickly. But I like I like your point there that, hey, oftentimes 70 or even 80% of that manure is in a form that uh, could could be a problem. So protecting that is, is smart. And then, you know, you think about all the other good things that you're getting out of that manure, you're really getting uh quite a bit more than nitrogen too. So, so nice, nice source of end there. How about on urea? I know we were talking with Trent Roberts down at university of Arkansas. He said, as we go South, a lot of urea ends up getting used for winter wheat and other things right now. Uh, what, what are some tips that you'd have for us if we're using urea? Yeah. So if we're using urea, I think we gotta, we have to also think about how are we applying it, right? Think about the four R's of nutrient stewardship. You know, it's, it's not just the source, the rate, but also it's the timing and placement. And timing and placement with me is really important with urea. Are we laying it on the surface? Are we working it in? What's, what's that timing? And so if, if we're going to be working it in or it's going out real early, I like to impregnate urea with instinct. Again, it'll, it'll protect us against leaching and denitrification losses. Now, if you tell me, Darren, hey, I'm just going to surface apply it, and I'm going to do it at broadcast time and our temperatures are up and we got a lot of surface volatility. Then, then Corteva has a product called Pennant Max TG. It's a urease inhibitor and it will protect against that surface volatility loss. That would be the best product in that scenario. Well, and we do run into that where we've got guys with reduced till and, and a lot of no-till guys, but also now there's more strip-till guys that are doing the strip-till but aren't putting the fertilizer down, or they don't want to put nitrogen down deeper in that strip-till trench. That's where they find themselves. Where it, I know what you are saying before about denitrification and leaching being big concerns for some guys you've got to you got to understand that and realize that that volatility now becomes your big concern if you're reduced till and going to lay it on top and yep. guys will say well uh, what if i catch a rain what do you see with that mike because I, I know when rains in the forecast that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to rain or it's going to be a perfect rain for trying to get stuff down into the ground yeah and and that's always the hard one right the hard one is always deciding 
Is it going to rain? Are we going to get that incorporation? Um, so what I like to look at is look at what does the calendar tell us, right? If it's early April versus June, for most people, early April, their odds of rain is better. Um, and then just looking, what are our what are our soil conditions? What are our air conditions? Um, that will also impact the rate at which surface volatility loss can happen. So we have to we kind of have to look at those things and make an educated decision. All right, we've been talking about nitrogen stabilizers just a little bit. We got Mike Koenigs on with us right now from Corteva. Mike, uh, one one last uh, shot for you here. Anything else you want to talk about, or anything that we missed in our discussion today? Yeah, the only other thing I would say is um, another new product that Corteva is looking at is Nutricia N. It's a biological, or I know you like to refer to as a natural product, and it's a bacteria that we can apply to corn and many other crops. And once that bacteria is in the corn plant, um, it will fix nitrogen, meaning it will convert atmospheric elemental N over to ammonium that the corn plant can use. Now, is that a standalone nitrogen source? No. Absolutely not. But it is a supplemental, it is an additional source of N, and it will, it will ins- hopefully ensure that nitrogen is not the limiting factor for that corn crop or, or for that crop. So that would be another exciting technology that Corteva is working on. And if there's any questions, certainly go to nutrientmaximizers.com for more information. I'm glad you brought that up. Just another way we can hopefully deliver a few more pounds of N at a critical time later in the season. Uh, Been talking with Mike Koenigs here with Corteva. Mike, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It came on a night like any other with power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com slash howler. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG, specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. 
AgPhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and it is the Ag PhD Mailbag time. Taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And diving into some of these emails to radio at agphd.com. This one comes from Stan. He said, okay, guys, I got this pasture, Bermuda grass, and we're going to take the Bermuda grass out this fall, and it's going to be a field going forward. I've treated the Bermuda grass with glyphosate and with clethodim, but the grass is really persistent. I, I want to plant corn next year, and I know that this can be a problem. Uh, what would you do to take out uh, perennial grass in the fall? Yep. Uh, it's pretty easy. I just go glyphosate. The reason why you've been having a problem is likely one of three things. First thing I think about is rate. You got to run with the highest labeled rate. You have to run a really high rate or you just don't get good permanent control. Two would be water volume. If you're using too much water, that's a problem. And you might think, well, everybody says I need better coverage. Yeah, you want good coverage, but grass can only it can only hold so much water. Just think about it. If you take a five-gallon bucket of water and you dump it over the, the grass, how much ends up on the ground? About 98% of it. Okay, so the more water you have, the more problematic this becomes. We want every droplet to be really concentrated. So a lot of times when we're spraying and trying to kill a perennial grass, it's five to 10 gallons of water. That's all we're using. And then the final thing is when you spray. Now, a lot of people think, well, we got to wait till fall so we get this good kill. Look, you can kill a perennial grass any time of the year as long as the grass is actively growing and it's going to remain actively growing for at least a few days after that. So sometimes if you spray too late in the fall, that can be a real challenge because the plant, once it slows down, it doesn't take the, the Roundup or glyphosate in very well. But even after that, you don't forget, it's got a translocate or move it to every single growing point in the extensive root system of a perennial grass. So you, you, I, I, I just say, if it's my farm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spray at least a couple of weeks before I'm worried about the first hard frost. So anyway, those are usually the three reasons why we see it fail. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, 
Johnny had a comment. He said, uh, you guys talked about manure usage, and I'm just wondering, in a corn-on-corn situation, uh, is manure a good enough fertility source? Do you need to apply more? Do you see the monocrop system with just corn as being an issue for your soil? Uh, No, I love just corn for my soil. Works out fantastically well. We've been able to really build soil. So as for that question, I have no problem if you want to raise corn for the next 50 years. Well, when you think about the five times the root mass of soybeans, for example, you get a lot of roots there. They leave a lot of channels for earthworms and for microbes in the soil. So the the soil health actually can be really good if you manage it well. With manure applications, though, it's tough to dial in the right amount of blend of all the nutrients in manure. So oftentimes we're limited by how much either phosphorus is in manure or nitrogen is in manure, something like that. There's going to be one nutrient that once we get up to the max that we need for that one, then we kind of got to stop and we may have to supplement with some other things, but depending on what you're raising. Yeah, we don't know what the manure looks like. So we need to see a manure test. We need to see a soil test. And then, yeah, it just depends on what crop you're going to raise. And then we can start making the right recommendation. So to think that manure is going to be it and that's all I would ever use, uh, yeah, that chance is almost zero. Uh, oh, and one last thing that I want to throw out there, because every once in a while I'll, I'll hear these arguments from people who call themselves environmentalists and they say, oh, you farmers are ruining the ground with your monocropping and stuff like this. And I'm going, okay. Let's just say we didn't exist. What was the Midwestern United States like before we were here, Darren? Grass. What? Yeah. Uh, wait. What was? What was? What was it? Ten years before that. Grass. What was it? A hundred years before that. More grass. Do, now, wait a second. Does that sound like monocrop? Hmm. Did God screw up? Yeah, I don't think so. Come on. Let's get real. Monocrop is just fine. If you want to raise corn for the next thousand years, you can. It just requires good management. All right. Let's jump to another question. This one comes from Luke, who said, guys, uh, you talk about boron applications, what you're doing on your farm. I'm curious, what concentration of boron are you using? Do you like liquids? Do you like dries? What's been cheap? What's been effective? As a general statement... We like dries to build the soil. We like liquids to feed the plant. So whether that's feeding the plant by some spring application at planting time, some foliar, whatever. So those are just general statements, okay? With boron, we have to be really careful because you can overdo it fairly easily because it doesn't take much boron to feed your crop. And you have to be concerned about the level of calcium in your soil. The more calcium you have, basically the more boron you can put out there. Also, keep in mind, the the more calcium you have in your soil, the heavier your soil is. So it only makes sense you'd be able to apply more boron. So personally, we like putting dry boron out, and we just build the soil, call her good, and then we'll do a little bit of liquid stuff, but no, no big thing. But we have heavy soil and lots of calcium. People that have sand, then... They're usually using liquid. They'll use a little bit almost every pass over the field in some cases. So it all depends on your situation. But yeah, what do we like best? Building with dry, and then we just supplement with a little bit of liquid. Works well. Thanks for the question. Uh, Next one here. Bradley says, question for you guys. Why do farmers in drier areas of the country grow corn instead of sorghum if sorghum is more drought tolerant? I'm curious about it. Does it just come down to profitability that they think they can make more money on corn? Yep. 
So there are, I mean, I, I hate to phrase it this way because here again, some people take this the wrong way and they go, well, farmers are really doing things for money. Look, farmers are trying to survive. They're trying to live. And granted, the last 15 years, the economics have not been too bad. But the prior 25 years before that, the economics were so bad that literally on our farm, we could not pencil a profit well, to start when, the year. When Brian not and I a were, single year. When Brian and I were in high school, most of our classmates, their parents advised them, don't come back to the farm. Go to town, get a job where you can actually make some money. And so there was a whole, I don't know, a pretty good little era there where a lot of people didn't come back to the farm because the profitability was tough. So anyway, a lot of people will do what they are used to doing, what they're comfortable in doing. But the big thing is, where are their local markets? So if nobody around you will buy this sorghum, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good to produce it unless you've figured out where you can go with that. But yeah, in most cases, people are raising the crops that they are because they make money. So like on our farm, I mean, we're primarily corn and soybeans. I'd like to raise some more wheat, but it just isn't profitable for us. And sure, right now, I, we could probably make a profit with about anything. But there's no guarantee next year we're going to have the same markets that we do this year. And we got to think long term. We got to think about being able to pay off our debts and feed our families and things like that. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty focused on what will what will provide a good return. And that's the main reason why farmers raise the crops that they do. All right. Uh, get a question from Les up in North Dakota. You say, guys, uh, dandelions my issue, and it's in grass. Uh, you mentioned a 2,4-D that isn't as volatile. Anytime I spray 2,4-D, I've worried about trees and, and, and just how safe that is. Yep. Uh, just kind of curious, what what form of 2,4-D is it, and, and what is the product name I can look for? Freelix. It's fantastic. It's four pound equivalent. So it'd be similar to like an amine or an LV4 in terms of the rate you're going to use. But just look on the label, use the full labeled rate, Freelex, it's amazing. And quite frankly, I'll, I'll just put it this way. I'm always skeptical when companies come with new products and especially when they make claims like, well, Brian, it's like, it, it's not like 2,4-D at all because it doesn't move. And I'm like, yeah, right. I, I mean, I remember the first time I was in Indianapolis and this was, I don't even know, 10, 12 years ago. And I was giving their their head people a hard time, the, the Dow people, because they were telling me how new and different this was. And I'm going, whatever, let's see, give me some stuff to test and we'll try it out. Well, we did. And I go, oh, well, I guess for once, uh, no, many times they actually are right. But I, I'm always going to be concerned when people make claims like that. But yeah, we've used this product for quite a few years. It's completely different than old 2,4-D. Yep. You might say, oh man, 2,4-D has been around since the 1940s. Well, there there's actually been some innovation there. So we're, we're thankful for that today. Thanks for listening to our program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.